Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 482nd episode of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. You can get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Once a Metro and the rest of the SB Nation family of soccer websites. Come on in. The chat room is open. You can discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. Now, some interesting moments happened uh, in our leagues here in the United States. None other than a crazy, nutty, how in the hell did that happen goal that was won in the 90th minute down at Subaru Park at the home of the Philadelphia Union in USL Championship action as the Hartford Athletic defeat they defeat Philadelphia Union 2 by a final of three goals to two. And seeing what happened was just Unbelievable. I mean, I feel like, did that really happen? Did that actually happen, what we saw? I mean, that's like, you know, trick shot central. And (laughs) just to see how Danny Barrera and what he was able to do was just unreal. It was unreal to see what he was capable of doing, how he was able to do it, and just to see him pull out that type of goal was unreal. Danny Barrera just allows the goalkeeper to not just grab it and run up to the top of his area, but he waited for him just outside his area, outside the area. And all he did was pick up his right leg and basically allowed the keeper to throw the ball back into play, and it hit his studs rainbowed in the air, and went into the back of the net. You cannot write or script a goal that at all. You cannot. You cannot script something like that at all. That was just amazing to see him not only score it in that way, but to celebrate that type of goal, it was unbelievable. I, I have to tell you, to me, for the USL, 
That has to be goal of the year. But I also have to say for FIFA, for FIFA, and I want FIFA to understand where I'm coming from here. Excuse me. We all know that FIFA will always get the best goals from around Europe. And that's the truth. They will get goals from around Europe for their uh, Pushkash Award. FIFA will always award a player for the Ballon d'Or if they perform in Europe. You can be Lionel Messi from Argentina. As long as you play in Barcelona, you're fine. Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously he's Portuguese. He plays in Italy and in England and Spain. He gets the consideration. Robert Lewandowski you know, plays in Germany and everything else, Bayern, Munich. He deserved the award, of course, if they were going to give it this year. I don't know, but still he deserved that award. But the truth is, is that if we are going to honor a true amazing finish, a true amazing goal, and if it doesn't come from Major League Soccer, so be it. But to me, in my opinion, Danny Barrera, regardless of where you play, that goal should be considered for the Pushkash Award. That goal deserves many accolades for what he did. You can't make it up. You cannot script it. It is amazing what he did. And in my opinion, just like everyone else, for Danny Barrera, he deserves that opportunity for 2020. If the award is still available, he deserves to be honored and considered for the Pushkash Award because that was just unbelievable. That's great. That's wonderful. And now we go move forward to a situation we had on the Western Conference of the USL Championship League between San Diego Loyal and Phoenix Rising FC. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have heard and witnessed was something that I was floored to see. Something that I did not expect to happen here in USL, let alone in Major League Soccer or any of our American leagues that had happened. Landon Donovan, who is now the head coach, manager, of San Diego Loyal hosting the Phoenix Rising Club FC during a game where I believe they were in the lead everything going forward everything was fine until that incident that happened to one of his players Landon Donovan was told and informed and well aware of a homophobic slur that was aimed at one of his players. 
And apparently, it's nothing that I've ever heard before, which I will admit. I've never heard – well, then again, the, the wording was blurred out because of the respect to the San Diego player that was affected by it. It's a situation where you have to say that it does not belong in the game. It does not belong, period, in football. And to basically to deny the situation from the Phoenix Rising coaching staff it is an absolute shame and a travesty that their head coach in Phoenix Rising, I don't think he was trying to uh, uphold it. I don't think he was trying to say, uh, well, listen, it didn't happen. Let's move on. But he didn't go against it. And I think that's the one thing that we have to understand that should not be the situation. The head coach of Phoenix Rising FC is Rick Shantz. I think Landon Donovan asked him to please remove the player, and then we'll continue on. Rick Shantz refused to do so. All you can say is, is that when you talk about a player who has to fight every single day for a job and because of a sexual orientation has to be in question, I think it's wrong. Colin Martin, the midfielder for the San Diego Loyal, was called something. Once again, I don't know what that word is. But if it's something that's bad and negative and wrong, I will side with Landon Donovan and his teammates. And, excuse me, Landon Donovan, uh, the players he's coaching, if they are well aware of the word that was said, there's no reason to doubt the man. Landon Donovan is a stand-up person. Landon Donovan is a hard-working person. And I'm not going to fault the referees for this. I'm not going to fault them because obviously, you know, when we talk about a person who is homosexual, we know what the words are here in the States. We know what the slang words are in England because we're so used to the culture across the pond. But there's a different way of saying it. I'm not saying it's the right way. It's the, absolutely the wrong way. But if we are aware of the wording, then we know what should and should not be done. To learn and educate different cultures, different meanings, but the same result. It cannot be said. It cannot be done. Now, what Landon Donovan did in a match that they were leading, it was in the second half. He pulled his team off the pitch, forfeited the match. That is where I give Landon Donovan credit. 
he sacrificed three points to take a stand for what he believes was right. Either take off your guy or I will take off my team. And it cost him three points, but he didn't care because he made a larger statement. Let me say this, and it has to be said here. We understand in Europe how loosely racism and the homophobic slurs get thrown around in Europe. There is no filter. Even though there are people who are fighting against it, what is there to be done when it comes to this? If it comes through the stands, through the fans, then the fans are not allowed in. What happens if it's, if it's on the pitch? So far, we haven't had a pitch problem in UEFA. We haven't had a pitch problem uh, in South America, none that I am aware of. If it's out there, then it has to be stopped. But to see how that happened, Landon Donovan deserves at least a humanitarian award for what he did. Landon Donovan deserves a humanitarian award in football to say to his guys, we're making a stand, I'm not going to tolerate this, I know you won't tolerate this. We have to take a stand, and we have to say we cannot allow this to happen in our game. Now, I also have to say this. If the man that that they're describing, and his name was Junior, if it is who I think it is, If I believe this is who I think it is, and I'm going to take a quick look at the roster of Phoenix Rising FC. If it is who I think it is, and I don't want to say anything until I look at the roster. Because if if it's the person who I think it is, I will be severely disappointed. Because if it is who I believe it is, I am disappointed. Because there's only one guy that I know that has a first name like that. And that's Junior Flemings. Junior Flemings, Jamaican international, a forward. Grew up in the New York Red Bull system. And I just took a look at the roster. It is not, there is not another junior player or a player named Junior on this roster outside of Junior Flemings. And so I am officially disappointed in Junior on how he handled this situation. It is absolutely a shame. It is absolutely uh, disgusting. And I would like to think he knew better than this. I'd like to think he would know better than this. I would like to think that he shouldn't be doing this at all. Is he frustrated 
fine. You're frustrated. You're upset that you're not doing well. I understand you're upset and not doing well. I understand all these things. That's not an issue. The issue here is you went beyond what you should have done. And the only thing I can say is this. I am not here to condemn Junior Flemings. If that's who it is, if he said – because Vaughn Donovan, if you follow the video on Twitter – he says Junior said this, so that has to be Junior Flemings. I'm disappointed that Junior Flemings did this. I am a, very disappointed that he did this. I just feel like he needs to be educated. I don't believe he should lose his job. What he should be is educated of the situation. He should contact the loyal, contact uh, the player he, uh, he slurred at. And promise to never do it again. And that's all I can say about the situation. I am not happy Junior Flemings did this. I give Landon Donovan all the credit in the world for giving up three points to make a stand at what happened to his player and for his team to even back up their teammate. It is an absolutely fantastic thing to see. And I'm very happy he did so. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a great show for you tonight. Later on, recorded segment with Damon Gochner, the owner of the Denton Diablos. But joining me right now, my good friend Carter Krishnar from World Soccer Talk. Many Americans are playing in Europe, and now they're part of squads that have been drawn in the 2020-2021 UEFA Champions League. And joining me is once again Carter Krishnar to discuss this. Carter, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, Daniel. It's a kind of a epic day. Uh, the transfer deadline day. No Americans uh, other than uh, had moved today. Obviously, Serginho Dest, uh, uh, who we're going to talk about a little bit, he, he moved last week. But uh, no Americans moving today. But just uh, a, a, a very interesting day as, as uh, the transfer window shut, uh, closed in uh, continental Europe. And, and there are some uh, uh, some still loan deals that might get worked out. But uh, fun day. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, some are saying uh, Manchester United didn't do enough uh, with their woes after their loss to Tottenham, six goals to one. Uh, But they did bring over Edson Cavani from PSG. I don't know if uh, that's going to be a a good sign for them, but they feel that uh, they didn't do enough. But we'll have to wait and see if they can get out of the hole. And, of course, Liverpool getting blasted seven goals to two. You never thought you'd see... Uh, an MLS scoreline in the Premier League, that's for sure. More than right. one, absolutely. But, yeah, but you know, Cardiff, itself, uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And, uh, and Aston Villa should have, should have picked up the figures, actually. Um, they had so many chances. But, yeah, yeah, it was, a fun, it, it was actually an interesting day also. And Bundesliga, the, 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 the Bayern first of Berlin game was 4-3, and that was an gr- epic match. And I, I know we're going to talk about one of the players in, in that match, obviously, when we talk about America, oh, young America. Yeah, so maybe we start yes, here. Yes, we are. Uh, Daniel, with Chris, yeah, yeah, let's start with Chris Richards. So, um, obviously, yeah, let's go ahead. Chris Richards. Him. Yeah, uh, the mm-hmm. listeners know him from, from, from MLS, from Dallas. I, I know there's an immense amount of pride among the people I talk to in the state of Alabama about having a player who's come – 
from uh, from their youth systems, and then you know through 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 uh, through Dallas, through Houston, um, into becoming a good player in MLS, getting bought um, at Bayern to Bayern at age 18, never plays, but works his way through the second team and works his way through the Bayern system. Um, doesn't get called into the U- into the full U.S. men's national team. He still doesn't have a full uh, a senior cap for the U.S., which I don't know, you, can, you can ask questions about that. But um, works his way into the Bayern team, makes an appearance or two at the end of last season as Bayern is on that epic 22-match run with saw them win the treble, right? They, they hold off Dortmund, win the league. They beat Leverkusen in the in the uh, in the German Cup final, and then they beat PSG in the in the Champions League final. Uh, Richards gets a couple of you know minutes here and there, but then he comes on midweek in the Super Cup final against Dortmund, two two. Dortmund's controlling all the play with you know another American that we're going to talk about in a minute, Reyna. and Richards comes in. They put him at right back. We know he's a center back. We know he's a center back in Dallas, and. Um, he looks the part, and Byron gets a late goal on a counterattack or a bad giveaway, actually, in midfield, and they win. Then I'm stunned to see Hansi Flick put Richards in his team in, 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 in the starting 11 for this weekend's match against Hertha, and he had uh, he set up the first goal, which then gets chopped off. Um, but, you know, great move, you know, great overlapping run, and then um, – uh, the second Lewandowski goal he created, uh, and, and he gets subbed off. Right, he's not he's ne- never played ninety yet uh, in the Bundesliga, uh, so you know he's he's about a sixty minute player now. But boy, what a development! And this is really exciting for Major League Soccer also because this is another guy. Now there are two guys on Bayern. There's a guy that's pretty pretty good, a guy named Davies. I'm sure everyone's heard of. Um, if you haven't heard of him, I don't know what you've been world you've been in the last last year. A guy named Alfonso Davies, he's pretty good. He came from MLS. Uh, he's one of the best left-sided players in the world now. And then you've now got Chris Richards, who's also come from Major League Soccer, on that same Bayern team, the best club team in the world right now, uh, now playing significant minutes. And he's an American. Of course, you know, Davies is a Canadian, and we're very happy for our friends north of the border. But we now have an American on Bayern to be excited about. Yeah, I have to say, Cardick, you know, to look at this list, uh, all eight groups, like you know, eight groups of uh, four sides, and when you read about the list of Americans that have cracked the lineup, I mean, you know, you would hear maybe once in a while Rangers coming in there where you had Maurice Adu or even DeMarcus Beasley on Rangers, uh, rarely like you had, um, you know, even G- um, uh, Claudio Reyna. On either both Celtic or on Rangers. I mean, I know it's on mostly on Rangers, not on Celtic, but still, though, you know, to, to to see them playing, you know, once in a while in the Champions League, or even when that John O'Brien with Ajax a long, long time yeah. ago in the early 2000s. You know, it's like once in a while you'd be happy when Tim Howard was yeah, on I Manchester the United. Benny Filehaber right, played a game for. Um, for Hamburg in the Champions League against Arsenal at the Emirates, and we were so excited because Americans never played in the Champions League, right? You mentioned Johnny O. Uh, DeMarcus Beasley at PSV would be the most significant one. Claudio Reyna had some games mm-hmm. at, at Rangers, um, and he had a couple of UEFA Cup matches with Manchester City. Uh, I guess Jovan Karofsky had a couple games in the 90s, but yeah, it was very rare. Um, and then we, we didn't get... Uh, 
Uh, obviously, Clint Dempsey had had a great run in Europa League, <laughs> that we know. But we didn't get really another American playing regularly in Champions League. Uh, Gooch played one game, if I remember, for Milan, uh, until Pulisic came through at, uh, at, at Dortmund and became a regular there. And now we've got um, – so let's count them, uh, Daniel. We've got Chris Richards, who is in the Bayern team. This may be, come as a shock to people, and I, I'm really surprised – there's been less conversation about Chris Richards this weekend um, or, or this week because he had a good game. As I said, he came on against Dortmund in the Super Cup. Um, and uh, ESPN is promoting Chris Richards uh, big time because they're promoting the Bundesliga. They're, by the way, the way ESPN is promoting the Bundesliga, I, I'm really excited because I, I think it's about time ESPN. ESPN done a great job with soccer in this country, but they never quite bought into – they've had MLS. They've had Serian out for a couple of years. They had the Premier League at one time. They never really, like, bought in like this, like they're doing with the Bundesliga now, which is great. And I think part of it is all the young American and Canadian talent. But, so we've got, we've got, obviously, Gio Reyna, uh, who had a great game at the weekend. Uh, he's one of two 17-year-olds starting for Dortmund, the other being Drew Dellingham, one of my favorite young players in the world, an English uh, player that came from Birmingham City. Uh, Serginho Guest. Uh, obviously, at Barcelona, that's three. Weston McKinney at Juventus, that's four. And obviously, Christian Pulisic, if he gets fit, when he gets fit. And he's kind of there now. He, he is basically almost back um, at Chelsea. So that's, that's an impressive array of Americans in the Champions League, in addition to uh, a couple of additional guys at smaller clubs, what we would consider smaller clubs. Well, I think you forgot one other player, Kardec, who's been in the Barcelona system for a while now, and he's oh, from Conrad your neck of the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's from South Florida. You know, so I, sh- I should remember Conrad de-, de La Fuente. I mean, I'm getting excited about that, but yeah. And he actually made the bench for um, the game against Napoli last season in the Champions League, towards the end of the season, or, uh, which, was, uh, which was an exciting moment. And, and it was actually very exciting to have uh, Clyde Tilsley call that match for CBS and mention him. And say, yeah, there's a young American on the bench for, um, and, and totally knowing he was calling the game for an American audience, um, made sure he mentioned Conrad De La Fuente. That was a really exciting moment. You know, I got to say, Cardick, you know, for myself personally, when you, know, when you talk about the leagues in Europe and you're talking about the big four, you know, look, we all strive to see our players in the Premier League, obviously, or any, any of the leagues in England, because that's like the creme de la creme, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and then to hopefully get another player maybe into Serie A, which we do now again with Weston McKennie. We'll get to him in a minute. But then, you know, the Germans finally took hold of, you know, we're going to give American players a chance. We're going to bring them over, and we're going to let them start in our youth systems. We're going to bring them up, let them play for our two teams, and then we'll put them ahead into the main team. And obviously – uh, Christian Pulisic was the first one. Giovanni Reina, Claudio's son, is now the next one to be over there. I liked Erling Holland, who called him the American Dream after a win uh, yeah. in one of their matches. I think it was last weekend, and even said in the post-match interview with Gio Reina, "This is yes, it's nice to play with the American Dream." And I'm thinking to myself, "This is fantastic. This is awesome." But to have even before Sergio Dest transferred to Barcelona, which is amazing within itself. The truth is, is this, is that when you can crack a lineup in La Liga, and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this because 
you know, I'm trying to wax poetically here. To me, La Liga is the most technical league with pace. Yeah. Probably a couple of notches higher than the Premier League. And no offense to the Premier League. It's good for pace. But the technical ability in La Liga, maybe a tick higher than the Bundesliga. To me, the biggest dream ever was seeing an American player play for either Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Atletico Madrid, or any of those clubs in Spain. They are on another level that we will never, ever get to. And to have two Americans now on Barcelona that are in serious consideration to be in the starting 11 or at least cracking uh, the match day lineup. To me, that's the hugest, the biggest reward U.S. soccer could ever have. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree with your assessment also of, of La Liga. It's a much more technical league than the Premier League. It, it's a... Uh, the pace is, you know, the Premier League is a little fat, quicker, but it's still pacey. I think tactically, um, I, I, you know, I think the Bundesliga is the best. If, you, if you're looking at, uh, at tactics, pace, and, uh, and technique, and you combine all three, and you have to come up with an average, I and I know uh, our, our, our friend Taylor Coleman agrees with me on this, uh, the Bundesliga would be number one, then you put La Liga two, and then I would put the Premier League third, actually, which I know is sacrilege. And, uh, there's a whole generation of American soccer fans who believe the Premier League is like the Global Super League, and every other league is terrible. I mean, I, and it's it's crazy. But yeah, I don't know why what these people watch, but they clearly aren't watching any other leagues. But um, but anyway, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be it's amazing to have guys in Barcelona. It's amazing for American soccer. And the fact of the matter is, at this point, we um, are having our young players being taken very seriously by top clubs in the world. And um, Dortmund, Bayern, I, I know uh, all the German clubs. I mean, I've talked to some of other, some other German clubs that I won't name here, but, but, but Bundesliga one clubs uh, that are uh, uh, looking and mining this country for, for young Americans that they, that might be passport eligible that they can bring over at 16. If they're not passport eligible, uh, they'll let them go to an MLS camp. Uh, well, MLS next now is its known MLS Academy. Uh, and then and then buying from MLS at 18 or 19, they've got a great relationship with MLS. Obviously, the deals for Richards and for McKinney, uh, who came out of Dallas's academy, uh, and and Davies, who, who and Tyler Adams. Um, oh my goodness, Daniel! I forgot the guy who scored the. Isn't it amazing? In the quarterfinals. So many Americans playing at high levels now, and so Adams this this past week, Nagelsmann played Adams in the midfield. You know, he's been playing a lot of right back there, but he played him in a double pivot, which, um, which, uh, with Kevin Campbell, which I thought was interesting because that tells me that Nagelsmann now has developed enough of a faith in Tyler Adams as a midfield player, not as a right back, not as a right wing back, um, to play him in a double pivot, which might uh, indicate that for the U.S. men's national team, you could play that double pivot. Then um, I have to think about where everyone else would play, McKinney, et cetera. But um, the idea that Adams was going to be stuck at right back with Leipzig. Um, now, maybe in the bigger games in, in Champions League, he will go back to playing right back. Um, but he was playing in the midfield this past week. And he and, and, and Julian Nagelsmann, he has 
arguably the best young manager in the world managing him. So, uh, so yeah, we have Adams, we have Gatt, we have McKinney, we have Pulisic, we have uh, Richards, we have Reyna, we have De La, uh, De La, Conrad De La Fuente. Um, and it is amazing to have Americans playing in Barcelona. It is amazing to have Americans in La Liga, because I think you're right about this, Daniel. If you're going to develop the technique, the technical ability to be a top, top footballer um, at the international level, you're better off being in Spain or Germany than in England. Uh, and I think this is why you're even seeing some top English players. I mentioned Drew Bellingham, who I, I think is the best young English player right now. Uh, he, he shocked, I think, the media in Britain when he decided to go to Dortmund rather than go to Manchester United. I mean, you know, what English player would do that in the past? But I, I think there is an understanding now among player agents and among people around the game that you're better off for player development in those leagues. And I have to say, the Bundesliga has done really well by the U.S. because I, these players are, are developing in Germany. There's an interest in American players there. There's a respect for American players there that you don't necessarily have um, in, uh, in, in, in other parts of uh, uh, Europe. And I have to say, I mean, this, this is not Champions League really, but Timmy Chandler is, is uh, uh, playing very well again for Eintracht. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Fabian Johnson is not playing for Wilson Gladbach anymore. So um, I, think, I think he's pretty much done. But Chandler is still kind of in that mix to keep an eye on him. And John Brooks is playing for, for Wolfsburg. I, um, I, I, I have to tell you, Daniel, my viewing preferences have kind of shifted. I still love the Premier League. I still watch it on NBC. Don't get me wrong, but I've really gotten into the Bundesliga these last few seasons. So I'm watching it now with ESPN Plus. It's amazing. And so much of that has to do with the American players being there. Now I understand the whole league. Now I'm, you know, really appreciating uh, some of the, the other players, like an Upa Mamacano on, uh, on Leipzig. What a player. Uh, and, and, and some of the guys I didn't know about and, and because I only knew Premier League. Really, to be honest with you, which is why I'm appealing to these Americans who just watched the Premier League and think the, the, the sun rises and sets with it. Check out the Bundesliga. Check out the Spanish League. Now check out Italy. Uh, Serie A, now that you've got Weston McKinney to follow. Now that there are Americans in all these other leagues, maybe you can broaden your horizon, watch those leagues, under, understand and appreciate uh, what they're about. And as you said, Spain, technical, tactical, and, uh, and the pace is there. So... I'm, it's just amazing time for American soccer. I guess the big question, Daniel, is do these guys then take their high-level Champions League experience, and how do they impart that in the national team? The Champions League is the highest level of football on the planet, in my opinion, including the World Cup, although maybe it doesn't have the pressure cooker of the, 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 the month. You know, it's a different dynamic. But we have never had guys playing at this level that we're going to consistently play. And I'm going to tell you, Gio Reyna is going to consistently play for Dortmund. Um, Guest is going to consistently play for Barcelona. McKinney, uh, maybe in and out of that midfield, that three-man midfield at Juventus, but he's going to play a lot. Um, Gil assist, it depends whether he's fit. Uh, Chelsea have bought so many attacking players. I was just having a conversation with someone earlier, uh, Daniel, about that. I don't know where any of the guys at Chelsea are going to play. I don't know if Kai Havertz is going to play as a nine, he's going to play as a ten, he's going to play out wide. I don't know what they're going to do with any of these guys. But I assume he has a role because – he finished last year so strong. And then Tyler Adams, we talked about. Nagelsmann, he, you know, he, he, he had the disadvantage of being hurt. Adams, the first uh, half of the uh, the first half of the year when Nagelsmann came in, because um, he had played the previous year under Rajinic. Um, that's when he moved from, 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 from your club, from Red Bull New York. But, uh, 
now Nagelsmann's really appreciating the player. So I think he's going to be in that team uh, and have a role uh, regardless, whether it's as a right back or as a central midfielder. So a lot to look forward to. Now the big question is, after Champions League, how do these guys mesh as a U.S. team? Uh, we never had guys this good, quite frankly. There's this many guys playing. I Maybe mean, I shouldn't say this good. Daniel, we never had this many guys playing at this high a level. And again, I want to remind our listeners, Chris Richards is a guy to keep an eye on. I wasn't sure when he went from Dallas. I liked him in Dallas, so I wasn't sure he could ever crack into the first team of a, of a top Bundesliga side. And not only has he cracked the top Bundesliga side, he has cracked the first team of the best club team in the world right now. So that's an amazing story coming out of MLS and coming out of, uh, out of Alabama, coming out of Birmingham. Think about this, though, Kardec. Think about this. And I want to go to Tyler Adams. And I like to toot my horn. I like to toot his horn because Tyler Adams, you know, here's a kid that no one knew about. He goes into one of those uh, New York Red Bulls um, camps. The scouts are there as well. He's from just in, from upstate New York, Wappingers Falls. And then all of a sudden he impresses. So then he goes and moves into the under-23s. Then he moves on to the USL Championship team. Of course, at the time, it wasn't USL Championship. It was just USL. Wins a USL title with the Red Bulls. Beats Sporting Kansas City's USL team. And then moves on in the middle of the year to a struggling Red Bulls side in MLS. Solidifies the midfield position. They go on a tear in the CONCACAF Champions League. Scores a goal against Club Tijuana in the second leg of the quarterfinals, making the aggregate three goals to one. And then he goes to Leipzig. This past Champions League, he scores in the quarterfinals to put Red Bull Leipzig into the semifinals. Unfortunately, can't go any further. But Tyler Adams has scored a quarterfinal goal in both the CONCACAF Champions League and the UEFA Champions League in the knockout stages. That is an amazing an accomplishment for someone so young and for someone that still has plenty of career right in front of him, Kardec. That's Tyler Adams. Yeah, and, and, and I think um, from, my, from my perspective, he reads um, the game in front of him better than any American player in kind of a midfield or defensive position than uh, since I would say uh, probably Claudio Arena, right? Uh, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. I, maybe I would throw, uh, uh, I, I thought Sasha Kleisten read, read the game really well, but with, you know, his decision-making was maybe a little, little too slow for the international level. But, um, and Kyle Beckerman could say the same thing, but I, I, I think um, he reads the game exceptionally well. And I, there are people who love Pulisic and don't really know these other players who have criticized me for saying that when I said, look, I mean, in terms of decision-making and uh, just football IQ, I, I think Adams is at the top of the U.S. path. I mean, I, I think Pulisic is getting better. But one of the knocks I had on Pulisic when he was at Dortmund, I watch a lot of Dortmund, <laughs> I think people know, uh, was that he would make the wrong decisions often in possession. He'd give the ball away. He's fixing that at, at, at Chelsea. He's been much better. Uh, after the first couple months at Chelsea. But at, at the end of Dortmund, he was making some bad decisions. He wouldn't really play in front of him well and be out of position defensively. He's getting better at that. I have to say, I said Adams, I think, is the best since Claudio Reyna. Now I'm watching Giovanni Reyna, first 
four matches for Dortmund, three matches in the Premier and the Bundesliga and that Super Cup match against uh, Bayern that I talked about where Chris Richards came on. And he, his decision-making is fat quicker than any American I have seen ever. Quicker than his dad. Quicker than Tav Ramos. Quicker than, uh, than Clint Dempsey or, or Landon Donovan in possession in terms of being on the attacking end. Um, uh, quicker than even, uh, I think, you know, at times, the, 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 the decisions that, um, that Ernie Stewart made on the ball, Joe Max Moore, those guys were really good. I mean, they could play, play quick and, and make quick decisions. I think Reyna's ahead of that, and he's ahead of Pulisic. In terms of decision-making, his ability to play centrally, his ability to ghost run, to find space, get the space. It helps that he's playing with Marco Royce, and it helps that he's playing with Erling Haaland, who's emerging, as you mentioned earlier, one of the best number nines in the world. But, man, I am so impressed by Gio Reyna. You talk about that intelligence on the attacking end. Then you have Tyler Adams, either in central midfield or at right back, preferably at central midfield, right uh, leading the game as quickly as he does and as well as he does. Now think about that combination in the U.S. men's national team. Those two guys playing centrally, you have um, Adams, you have uh, Adams, McKinney, and, and, and Reyna as a triangle, okay, Reyna at the top of it. And then maybe you've got Pulisic and someone else out wide, um, depth at right back. Um, and Richards, I think, might be in the mix the way he's playing, honestly, for Bayern. Um, and then... Uh, uh, whoever you have at other positions. I mean, maybe you play Reggie Cannon or, or, or Richards at right back. Reggie Cannon, another guy that's come through Dallas. Dallas is producing a lot of good players, obviously. Um, you know, two right backs right there. Richards is a center back, but he's now playing right back. And um, and then Death to play left back. I mean, you're thinking of, you've got really the elements of a great, great national team, but it's the decision-making, it's the smarts that elevates for me not taking anything away from Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic's technical ability is the best of any American since John O'Brien, who, in my opinion, is the best American ever on the ball. Um, injuries cut his career short. But, so I would put Pulisic 1A with O'Brien, maybe better than John O'Brien, best technical player we've had. But in terms of just kind of reading the match, intelligence, the ability to make quick decisions in Champions League football, in Bundesliga football, um, Adams and Reina are the two best players we've had in the last 15 years, in my opinion, uh, at the club level in, 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 in that kind of role. You know, the only guy who would be close is Dempsey. And um, those guys are young, and they're both going to be playing in Champions League this year, and they're both going to be in the national team. So this is a really exciting time. I mean, it, it's not just the talent. It's you're already seeing the applicability. And, and uh, those two guys specifically, you're seeing – their football intelligence. And Adams picked up a lot of that in MLS. I know people want to knock MLS. It's gotten better since he's been at Leipzig, no doubt about it. He's playing at a much higher level now. But he picked up a lot of that at Red Bull 2 and at Red Bull. So, you know, give, give, give MLS some credit for that. And, and I'm going to give MLS, as I said earlier, credit for Chris Richards. He's fitting in at Bayern at the best club team in the world. So that's uh, – and they've obviously already produced a guy, as we said, named Davies that uh, – I think everybody knows it's pretty good. It's going to be at this rate. Oh yeah, I know we're, we're talking about U.S. players. At this rate, Alfonso Davies is going to be one of the best players in the world in the next five years. He's going to be in the top ten in the world at this rate, in my opinion. I agree with you uh, there. US I agree with you there. I think he's, I think he's incredible. No, I definitely agree with you there, Cardic. And of course, our friends in Canada can also say that same thing. Um, like we already talked about, Dest. We already talked about De La Fuente. You know, the dream is to be a teammate of Lionel Messi, but obviously 
people like to dream about being the teammate of Cristiano Ronaldo and Weston McKinney yeah. right now in Juventus. I mean, you know, who would have thunk it? I mean, if you had, if you and I had the same technical ability that Weston McKinney has, what he did at Schalke, and then all of a sudden, hey, listen, we're gonna, you're gonna get transferred. We're gonna set up this move because apparently Juventus wants you, and you're gonna be playing on the same pitch, in the same stadium with Cristiano Ronaldo. You and I and anybody else would sign the contract in a heartbeat, and we would play for him, or even Messi if we could get the opportunity to play for Barcelona. To see Weston McKinney being with Ronaldo is just a dream come true for him, and a dream come true for every American soccer fan. Yeah, and I, and I think on top of that, the faith that Andrea Pirlo, who plays you know this kind of deep-line playmaker role, I mean, this is something I, I don't think we ever really got to talk about this, because he came to New York at the end of his career. He wasn't the same player. Um, it was just so – he was playing at Yankee Stadium, right? But and Andrea Pirlo, I think, is one of the most impactful players of the last 20 years in world football because the, the, the idea of having a deep-line playmaker, a guy who sat deep and played passes and, and kind of orchestrated the midfield had been lost in world football. What had happened by that time is the guy you put in deep midfield – with a guy who would take people's legs out, right? Um, <laughs> you know, your Nigel de Jong type players, your Mark Van Bommel type. I mean, they were these really kind of Robbie Savage, those sorts of players. Pirlo was so graceful, and he uh, played in that deep line role that we, you know, we've seen now um, even some Americans emerge and be able to do that. I mentioned Beckerman earlier, um, that kind of play, and I think Michael Bradley, honestly, he modeled a lot of his game after Pirlo. Um, so to have him as the manager of Juventus in his first season, one of his first transfer moves is, you know, I like this American kid. I, I think he can play the position I played with me as the manager. Think about that. I mean, I'm, he's playing with Ronaldo, which is amazing. As you mentioned, you laid that all out. That is incredible to be able to play with Cristiano Ronaldo or Orlando, Mexico. Think about Andrea Pirlo saying to Weston McKinney, an American, you know, a guy that 10 years ago would have just, you know, gone from mid-table team to mid-table team, journeyman player in Europe, right? He would have been that kind of player because uh, that's what happened with mm-hmm. Americans back then. To say, hey, I think you can play for me and you can play my position. I, that's just amazing. It is. It's just incredible. There's one more American we forgot to mention, Kardik. And intentionally I left him out because he's not a player. He's a head coach. He's the manager of Red Bull Salzburg. Jesse Marsh in a group facing Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, and Lokomotiv Moscow. This time, he's got his work cut out for him. You want to talk about a group of deaths? To me, that's one of the groups of deaths in this tournament. Jesse Marsh, though, if he has another tirade in the locker room at halftime like he did at the Cop against Liverpool... They could be a dark horse and a wild card that none of those teams want to play against. Bayern Munich may may give him fits, but the truth is, is that to see Jesse Marsh getting a second opportunity at the Champions League, not only winning the, 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 the Liga Bundesliga in Austria, but winning the Austrian Cup, to me, Jesse Marsh should have been the national team head coach for the U.S. men's national team. 
But now he's in Europe, plying his trade in Austria. Rumors flying around. He may be coming to the top four club, top four leagues in Europe. I know the rumors yeah. were Borussia Dortmund might want to bring him over. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But for now, he's in a good place in Austria. But there's no doubt in my mind he wants to make the next move up, whether it be in England, in Germany, anywhere, because he speaks very good in German. His German is fantastic. We all know he can speak English, obviously. Jesse Marsh is a man to be feared when you're facing a managed team that he has done not just with the New York Red Bulls and MLS, but what he's done with Red Bull Salzburg now in Austria. Yeah, and they've obviously lost Holland and Minamino, uh, two of their better players uh, in, in, in the last few transfer windows. But uh, uh, Red Bull uh, Salzburg, I'm speaking of. But they, they, he's, Jesse Marsh has been able to keep it going. The thing about Marsh that to me is really interesting is uh, when you think back at the way and I, and I guess it wasn't like this in Montreal. You know, I'm trying to think back at his season in Montreal, but um, at, at New York Red Bull, when uh, when Ali Curtis brought him in, the playing principles of Jesse Marsh, and keep in mind, this is a guy who never played outside of Major League Soccer in his career. Princeton, uh, D.C. United, Chicago Fire, right? Uh, Chivas, USA, et cetera. Um, his, his, his style of management was very German. And, and um, the style of play, right? So, so if you watch Klopp and Dortmund teams um, around that time, you know, when, when, when uh, the same year when Petsy got sacked and, and Marsh came in, you're watching Klopp's Dortmund teams or Tuchel's Mainz teams, and, you know, some, some of these teams, Rajanik, uh, uh, Salzburg, uh, sorry, Leipzig teams, you, you saw these sort of same sort of principles in, in kind of the passing triangles, the high intensity, working to win the ball back, uh, uh, out of possession, you know, really kind of high-intensity type uh, football. You saw in Dax McCarty and Sasha Kleiston a midfield uh, duo that were reminiscent of the type of midfield duos. Yeah, and again, I'm not saying McCarty and Kleiston were, would be good enough to play in the Bundesliga. Because, you know, when the critics of MLS, you know, when they hear me say things like, oh, you're saying Sasha Kleiston would start at Dortmund. No, of course he wouldn't, okay? He wouldn't, he's not good enough to play for Dortmund. I'm not pretending he is. But what I'm saying is uh, the way Marsh set up his team at, at Red Bull New York, it, it seemed logical he would eventually coach in Germany or Austria because he was the, the playing principles were very similar to what we were seeing from German managers and Austrian managers at that point. So it's no surprise he's ended up going uh, to, to Leipzig and then now to Salzburg. He's you know, worked on his German language. He's learned more in terms of, of style and, 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 and coaching. And he will move uh, on to, to uh, I think, a Bundesliga job. I think, uh, look, you know, I, I know, again, Americans love the Premier League. I love the Premier League, too. But I'd much rather see Jesse March manage. Uh, you know, a, Dortmund is a big club, a really big club. So that's maybe a jump too far. Oh, yeah. But, you know, an Eintracht Frankfurt, you know, that kind of club. Uh, I would love to. If it's Dortmund, great. Because um, I think Luciana Favre may have to win the league this year to keep his job. Although, look, I mean. They, they've run by him close the last two years. So, you know, and Marco Royce has gotten hurt at inconvenient times both seasons. So, Dortmund may well have won the last two Bundesliga titles if Royce has stayed fit. But, I mean, I, I think Marsh is, is amazing. And in terms of um, the U.S. men's national team, you and I were, have had many shows where we were angry that um, Jesse wasn't being interviewed. We were angry that 
uh, Juan Carlos Osorio wasn't being looked at, or or or, or um, you know Tata Martino, Peter Vermees, or, or, or uh, Peter Vermees. You know, well, Peter, the Peter Vermees thing. You know, we there was a brief conversation at the end of the Kansas City game, allegedly with, with Dan Flynn, um, where they didn't think he was up to right temperament, or even you know some of the other outside picks. I mean, I guess Oscar Perea technically was the only other guy interviewed, but I think they had to interview someone to cover their track. Uh, I, I think it's probably worked out better for Perea to be in Orlando. They're doing very well. Um, he's doing very well there. And I, one of my point is, I think it's worked out really well for Jesse Marsh. I think it's better for Marsh that he didn't get that U.S. job, the, a poison chalice with a fan base that doesn't quite understand uh, what's going on with uh, uh, people who are, I, I don't think, watching – soccer regularly enough to quite appreciate some of, some of the challenges um, with a federation that quite frankly is dysfunctional and uh, where there's, I think too much meddling in the, uh, in, in the actual playing side. And, and I don't know that I'm not, I'm not accusing uh, Ernie Stewart and, uh, and Brian McBride of doing that currently, but there's a history of, of, of the federation doing that in the past. So I, I think it might still be going on. I think it was much better now in hindsight, Daniel for Jesse Marsh, to then say, okay, you're not going to talk to me. I'm going to get my coaching badges done. I know he left that game against Philly Union early, and people were angry about that. But uh, get my badges, go over to Leipzig, learn under Ralph Rajnick, who was one of the best managers in Europe, in my opinion, um, and, and one of the most best technical minds, I would say, um, for technical direction, then go to Salzburg and manage. So I, I think this has worked out brilliantly for Jesse March, honestly, uh, in hindsight. It's a great thing the U.S. didn't hire him because um, it's great for him. He's become an even better manager. And once the U.S. needs to take that next step, then Jesse Marsh can, can, can come into the job and replace whoever's in the job and, and take us to the next level. So um, in hindsight, I think it's worked out. So I'm not defending the U.S. Soccer Federation for their hiring practices because obviously we know how bad that was. But it's, I want, my point is it's really worked out for Marsh. And I think it's better for U.S. No, soccer to have has. Marsh managing in the Champions League than sitting around doing whatever in Soccer House in Chicago. I think it's a much better thing. No, I agree. I agree. And until uh, Soccer House, and this is not against Ernie Stewart, and this is not against Brian McBride at all. I think, in my opinion, I think they've been used incorrectly. That's how I feel. But in all honesty, Soccer House has to get their priorities in check. They've got to fix something within themselves because right now how they've handled this whole situation – has been an absolute shambles, and they must. And I, I stress this: they must find a way. Now, if Greg Berhalter turns turns this, you know, wonderful fortune around, and uses these players the correct way, and finds a way to beat Tata Martino, not just in World Cup qualifying, but in the Gold Cup, the upcoming Gold Cup, if it ever does happen, then I will basically say that Greg Berhalter was a great hire. But until then. I don't see him and his tactics beating Mexico with Tata Martino running the national team because, in my mind, Tata Martino, and you know this as well, and everyone else, everyone else in the world knows this, Atlanta knows this as well. Tata Martino is right now head and above shoulders better as a manager than Greg Berhalter, but I want Greg Berhalter to prove me wrong. I really want that. That's how I feel because we're not going to beat Mexico for a while. With Tata Martino running that national team, plain and simple. Uh, Kardik, as always, 
Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Great analysis of our uh, American players abroad. I mean, unbelievable. How many players we're going to have now in this UEFA Champions League set up for 2021? And uh, hopefully we can talk about these players again. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you, Daniel. Carter Krishnar, World Soccer Talk. Talking about these young American players in the Champions League. It's unbelievable. It's fantastic. And we're all going to witness it. You can watch every single prim, excuse me, UEFA Champions League match. You can watch it live on CBS through their all-access app. Of course, there's a paywall. Do it. Go get it. Watch it. Uh, watch, of course, highlights uh, online, cbssports.com, through their CBS Sports HQ online channel. Watch Poppy Miller and Ian Joy along with Demarcus Beasley and Jimmy Conrad and many other reporters uh, for post-match analysis, pre-match analysis on all the days and all the games in the UEFA Champions League. It will be exciting. It will be a lot of fun. Go ahead and get it. Go ahead and do it. Now, in a recorded interview, I, will, I have uh, had a conversation with the owner of the Denton Diablos, and Mr. Damon Gochner. Damon, of course, uh, on October 13th, they're going to the club the Denton Diablos, We'll open their first team store. We talked business here on the Four Eastings Fire American Soccer Show. That's what we did. We talked about the very first team store in the history of the Denton Diablos and the National Premier Soccer League. It's not just the game of football. It's the business of football in the United States and involving U.S. relations that we talk about. So here it is right now for all you Denton Diablo supporters. Here is your owner, a good friend of mine, I will say. The one and only Damon Gochner, the owner of the Denton Diablos. Welcome back, everybody, to the American Soccer Show. This is Daniel Feuerstein, and as always, we talk about American soccer. And every once in a while, we talk about the business of American soccer. That's right, the business. What do clubs or the business of our sport happens uh, in our nation? And, of course, how about going down to Denton, Texas? And, of course... Uh, as you know, I am the host of the NPSL Soccer Show whenever I get to talk about the league itself. One of their constituents, or shall I say one of their clubs in the state of Texas, is, of course, the owner of the Denton Diablos, and they'll be itching to get back into the swing of things once this NPSL season for 2021 gets underway. underway. Damon Gochner, who is the owner of the Denton Diablos, he is just going to start very soon in this month in October, open up the Denton Diablos shop. This will be a standalone shop in downtown Denton. Damon, welcome back to the show on a regular show. Good evening, and how are you, sir? Daniel, thanks for having me, man. I'm, uh, we're super excited. And, and to your point, we are uh, ready to get back to the business of playing soccer. But, but uh, in the meantime, we are super excited about the the possibilities and the opportunities that have opened up before us, and specifically, as you mentioned, opening up our team store just uh, just 12 or 11 days away now on October 13th. So really, really cool, really special environment and opportunity for us. Now, obviously, you know, you have your online store on your website, and for everyone that wants to check it out, DentonDiablos.com, uh, and, you know, you obviously, you know, you handle online sales uh, through the website uh, whenever a fan of the Diablos or maybe even someone that's passing by wants to purchase uh, merchandise from your club. But now 
as I understand it, you have a standalone shop right now dedicated to your club, and it's in downtown Denton. How did this idea come about? Yeah, man, no, it's, uh, we do. You're absolutely right. 201 North Austin Street, right on the uh, right on the edge and on the backside of the, at the Denton Square. We are in the second most foot trafficked corner in all of Denton County. Denton County is about three and a half million people all told. So we are super fortunate, super blessed. Uh, and the reality is, is, is I own a marketing company that it, that had office space already in the building, so had a great relationship with the, the landlord and the property owners and the uh, business property management company. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, uh, pandemics are, are tough environments, right? And when... Uh, Sometimes things happen and it's unfortunate and it creates opportunities for others. So a, a retail store that was below my marketing offices already uh, came available in early July. And I just happened to be walking by uh, to park my car and noticed it, peeked my head in and said, hey, man, I think this is open. So I called my leasing agent that handles all my commercial property needs and we had a quick chat. I toured the property the next day and we signed a lease the day after that. So. It was not in the cards. This was not in the 2020 business plan for the Diablos. But sometimes life throws you uh, a bunch of lemons and a, and a truck of uh, sugar, and you just got to get busy making lemonade. No, I understand, and I'm on Google Maps as we're talking right now, called Nift. Um, now they're no longer Nift. It's now the Denton Diablos team store. Um, and and of course, you already have a, uh, a shirt sponsor for the Diablos, and that's the East Side uh, Restaurant, the ca- uh, pub uh, in Denton, just across the street. They're your shirt sponsor, and um, you know, looking on your Twitter page, that's a nice little bit of marketing right there to get them to uh, join uh, your club as shirt sponsors. No, I appreciate. It. Yeah, John Williams. I can't thank John Williams enough. If you are uh, anybody that spends any time in Denton, Texas. You, you almost cannot uh, go to a restaurant or a bar or a business that John Williams hasn't supported or been a part of or owns. So, you know, Michael Hitchcock and myself, my co-owner, our, our humble beginnings for the club started at East Side at a small table in the back uh, where we just talked about the possibility of bringing soccer to Denton. And so uh, John Williams was the first guy we talked about when it came to sponsorship and, hey, do you think you'd want to be involved? And he's been absolutely rock solid from day one. So. You know, it, that's why when you look at Google Maps and you look at where the team store is, it, we look out our window and out our door right into the side entrance into the beer garden and into the food truck lot uh, for East Side. So it's, a, it's an awesome place. You know, my wife and I spend nearly every Friday night that we can get a date night on their uh, back patio enjoying a, a libation. And so when the opportunity came up, East Side across the street, um, it was just a no-brainer for us to, to go ahead and sign on the dotted line. And, and give our fans a place to call home. You know, Daniel, for so many teams in our in our league, in, in our level, level four, division four, whatever you want to call it, the lower league soccer, we're renting facilities uh, for, to play games. We're renting places to practice from. Uh, typically, we don't have any, any real place to really call home and to hang our hat, so to speak, and, you know, put a trophy on the shelf and, and do all the things that, that bigger clubs um, have available. And so when the, when the, when the uh, team shop potentially came about, it was about more than just the ability to increase some revenue and to drive, you know, a little bit of, of growth for the club for the, for the bottom line. But in our mind, it was a real opportunity to create a home and to have a place where our fans can come and feel like they belong and have a sense of permanence. And, you know, you saw the location and you alluded to it on Google Maps. 
we are right off the square and there's a Denton Main Street Association and there's a Denton Historic Association that we're already involved with and planning things with. So this is, you know, Minneapolis City is a, is a great club in our league and I look up to those guys, uh, Dan Hodderman, a lot and everything that he's doing up there. And they've had a team store for a couple of years now um, and just what it allows them to do for their community besides just make merch available and, and have a place that, you know, fans can interact with coaches and players outside of game days. Um, you know, they were heavily involved with uh, when Minneapolis was hurting as a city with getting food, getting water, and, and providing a place of shelter for people that needed it. So, you know, in our minds, the team store is, is just the first step uh, at really physically building long-lasting, deep, uh, in the heart of Denton roots that, uh, that we can look up in, in 15, 20 years from now and really, really see the results of. How big is the store? What's the square footage of the sh- of the shop right now? So it's twelve. It's right at a thousand square feet total uh, when you count all three rooms. The front part, which is our general merchandise and retail area, is right at four hundred square feet. Uh, it's got a private bathroom and it's got a front door to the street, window to the street, uh, and then it's got the really cool thing is the building that we sit in is the Denton Opera House. It was constructed in eighteen ninety five. And the brick used that um, is on the inside of our team shop that you see in some of the pictures. That brick is actually the brick used in the first brick structure ever constructed in Denton County in 1875, which was the original courthouse. It got struck by lightning in 1890. They tore it down, and Mr. Opera, or excuse me, uh, Mr. Wright bought the refuse and used it to build his opera house. And so the, the brick that is in our team store is literally some of the oldest brick in Denton County. Uh, and the cool story there, too, is the Opera House, the building that our team store sits in. Um, it was originally used to be a not just an opera house for performances, like a classic opera house, but it was also meant to be a community gathering place. So they would hold NAACP meetings. They would hold, uh, you know, Denton, um, all kinds of Denton political meetings. But uh, they have... Uh, through the women's suffrage movement, they have uh, uh, historical records of them meeting about that. So in our minds, it was just our opportunity to not only support a great place and a, and a guy that supported us from day one at John Williams across the street, but to connect with some of the history that 120 years later, we as a club are trying to do the exact same thing, and that's provide our community with opportunities, provide our community with an outlet to, to enjoy themselves and have some wholesome entertainment, uh, at the same time supporting all the local businesses and these young athletes and young coaches as they seek to continue to take the next steps in their professional development. I've noticed Denton is not far away uh, from downtown Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, how far away is downtown Dallas from Denton, and have you had uh, some supporters uh, giving you uh, – uh, you know, the opportunity to see a Diablos match. We have, man. You know, it's, 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 to answer your first question, Denton sits uh, right at the heart of the of the Chisholm Trail, okay? And the Chisholm Trail was the uh, was the old cattle lanes that used to drive, and now it's 35 east and 35 west, and that's how Dallas and Fort was developed. Uh, it's split into two, and, and all the cattle from east Texas would come into Dallas, and all the cattle from west Texas would come into Fort Worth, and then they'd beat, drive it all north of the Kansas City. And so Denton sits right at the heart of those two, so it's oftentimes looked at as the, as the kind of the tip of the spear for the Metroplex. And that's one of the reasons we came to Denton, to set the club up. A, I have a long history. I went to school there. Went to, to kind of grew up in Denton and Denton County, so it, it's home by all means. Um, but it's also, because it is 35 miles from downtown Dallas up to Denton, 
uh, about 30, 35 miles from downtown Fort Worth up to the heart of Denton. And, you know, MLS and, and FC Dallas sit in Frisco, and even Frisco is about 20, 25 miles due southeast um, from Dallas, or excuse me, from Denton. So for all those reasons, it really is on a soccer island, so to speak, and, a, and a, it kind of does its own thing. But to answer the second part of that question, yeah, we've been blown away. Some of our um, some of our most ardent supporters ride the Green Line up from downtown all the way up. The last stop is about a mile from our stadium, uh, and then we have a, a service. Or you know, for some of the guys, I will go pick them up from there and, and bring them over to the stadium. But yes, uh, it, it, you know, it's not hard. Dallas, everybody kind of expects to drive. It's a it's a very large metroplex, so everything we joke is 15 to 30 minutes away. Down across the street or across city, so um, we've, we've done really well pulling people that live in the downtown area. You know, one of our season ticket holders is the uh, lives downtown and is the uh, video operating board for uh, for the American Airlines Center. So he's coming all the way from the heart of American Airlines Center and everything downtown out to watch our games in Denton and then trekking home afterwards. So thank goodness for public transportation. That's for sure. It makes that a lot easier. Now, I have to ask, you know, we talked about this off air, but uh, you have a very amazing partner with this Denton Diablo side who has really helped you with some of this uh, information and business and, you know, who to become a, uh, a shirt provider for the club. And that's Michael Hitchcock. How has he been uh, and his influence been for you and for this club? Listen, man, I'll be the first guy to say that my ego and my, uh, my own self-confidence makes me think that I can do anything and I don't need any anybody's help um, but when I first started I fell in love with NPSL soccer and I make no no bones and I'm not ashamed at all but I fell in love with NPSL soccer as a season ticket holder for the Fort Worth Vaqueros uh, and I'd go out there with my son his coach plays for the Vaqueros Jamie Lovegrove and we had an awesome time and we thought it was you know one of the best things that we could do spending three or four hours together as a father and a son or father and son and daughter who, whichever my kids went um, and so after a couple of years of watching, I started to wonder, like, I wonder how, I wonder what it would take to make this happen. I wonder what it would take to, to own a club, to, to kind of put my flavor on it. Number one, because I, I was just working a 45-minute drive from my house, and I, I just wanted to see if I could get something a little closer. Uh, but number two, I thought that Denton was absolutely a marketplace that was open and ready for it. And so in that process, I actually uh, reached out to some people that we were co-acquaintances with. So some mutual friends and talked to them and thought, hey, and so uh, to Hitch's credit, you know, he's, he's a, anybody that knows Hitch loves Hitch. He's everybody's best friend. He's just easy to get along with. And he's just one of those guys that knows a lot of people that uh, you always know and can connect. And so because of those things, I knew that if I really wanted to do this, that I, I, could, I could do a lot of things. I knew how to do branding. I'm a marketer at heart. That's what I do in my day job. So social media and branding and everything necessary to kind of make our club look more than it is. I felt good about that. But I don't know at, at that time, and still to this day, I am not the, the soccer businessman that Michael Hitchcock is. I mean, the, the guy was a vice president and, and general manager for... Uh, what DC United, FC Dallas, LA Galaxy. He's bought and sold more players and higher money than probably anybody else in the NPSL or maybe even at the USL 2 level or USL 1 level. So, you know, I mean, it's just every time we have a conversation, it's funny to hear him talk about who he just talked to or what he's got going on in his life because he is so connected and uh, so well-versed in, in the business of soccer. So when I started to really seriously look at, at, at making the Diablos a reality, um, 
and what it was going to take, both tangibly and intangibly, it really started to dawn on me that having the right partner, to your point, that already had connections and already understood and had a blueprint and kind of a model for how you do some of this stuff would be just a massive, um, you know, learning curve shortener that would allow us to potentially achieve and find success quicker than if I, uh, if I embarked alone. And so the more I analyzed it, the more it became a no-brainer to get Hitchcock involved. So, and I re- I'm really glad I am. I'm really glad I did. And that's awesome to hear. And once again, your shop's going to open up October 13th, I understand, in the downtown Denton area. Yes, sir. October 13th and 14th, we're going to have a private shopping experience. Opening up any new venture in is always a little interesting, I'm sure you can understand. So we're going to do a private shopping experience for our season ticket holders and people that have bought merch before uh, and people that have bought game day tickets uh, via our online platform. So that way we have their information. And we're going to give them a 20-minute private exclusive shopping experience. Just come in, check it out, pick up whatever they want, meet the owners, potentially meet the uh, new head coaches by then, and uh, pick up some Diablos gear. Damon Gochner, owner of the Denton Diablos and his shop opening up very, very soon. Damon, thank you very much. I'll talk to you next time. Take care, sir. Daniel, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you, sir. Damon Gochner, the owner of the Denton Diablos, opening up their own team store in Denton, Ohio, 201 Austin Street in downtown Denton, Texas. I know every single Diablo supporter will be down there to go ahead and get whatever they want. Obviously, like you said, season ticket holders will have their own private shopping spree uh, to pick whatever they want, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. Very happy for him. This is why I'm happy to see positive moments for these clubs. Once again, it's not just about Major League Soccer. It's not just about American players playing abroad in Europe or anywhere around the world. This is about the fabric of our nation in the world sport, the world's favorite sport, and how it's improving and how it's getting better. One day, Every club and every league needs to have their own stadium to make sure we don't have to rent facilities anymore, that we don't have to worry about when's the next paycheck coming. Everything that goes on in this sport, every one of you that wants the promotion and relegation, every one of you that wants a single table, every one of you that wants everything done the way it does in Europe, It's really the most simple thing that has to be done. That is, every single club must build their own stadium without any worries. It doesn't have to be the size of Red Bull Arena. It doesn't have to be the size of uh, Highmark Stadium in Pittsburgh. It doesn't have to be somewhere in between. You own the land. You build the stands. You build the locker room. If you want, you can also build skyboxes, luxury boxes, however you want to do it. But just remember that you don't have to pay rent to either high school fields, college fields, college stadiums, athletic fields. You don't have to pay them the money to use their facility just so you can have a place to play. I know it's going to take time. I know it's going to take a lot of time. But until then, 
until then. And I have stressed this over and over and over again. Once again, every single club of every single league must build their own stadium. If we are going to have that type of situation happening here. Until then, we have to stay where we are. I know it's not a popular thing to say, but I say this so we don't lose clubs. Financial death. We cannot have these clubs gain a financial death. If that happens, we lose a part of something wonderful. You can say it's great to get more clubs in. It'll be sad when we lose those clubs that have been here for a while or just got started. And that's where St. Louis FC comes into play. They're next on the chopping block once their season is over, either not making the playoffs or going into the playoff round and not going further in it. That's why I give you content possible for this show because it means a lot to talk about anything and everything that goes on in American soccer. That's what we got to do. If we follow that mantra, everything will go forward and everything will be just fine. Moving on. Uh, a little bit about the Red Bulls. Lost to Orlando City 3-1 in Orlando on Saturday afternoon. But it has to be said that the Red Bulls, in the last five, three wins, no draws, two losses. They have improved. Just a bad break on the road. In my opinion... They should have had a penalty to, and get an opportunity to level the match at two. It did not happen. And once again, what's VAR doing? I don't know. But wins over at DC United, at Inter Miami, beating up on Montreal's, beating up on Thierry Henry's Montreal Impact. That was unbelievable. That was fantastic. And now you're seeing this team really starting to get a little bit better. They'll come home, midweek action, take on Inter-Miami, bring back an old friend in Luis Robles, who they'll see again. And we will see what will happen on Wednesday night. But let me just say this. This has been probably one of the most strangest seasons you'll ever see involving this whole coronavirus. What we need to make sure of is that we remain strong and vigilant. And we find a way to hopefully get a vaccine, get a cure, and get rid of this thing. Until then, got to remain wearing a mask and just remain strong and remain vigilant. But back to the Red Bulls. This run, even though it ended in Orlando... Once again, once again, I see some improvement with this club. Bradley Carnell so far has done an excellent job 
of getting this club to back on track, back to the basics. I know there are reports about Stuber coming over from Barnsley. We'll have to wait and see if they're true. I wouldn't mind Carnell running the club on a full-time basis. But if it's not the case, so be it. He deserves a lot of credit for getting this club back on track. He deserves a lot of credit for having these players. And there's a lot of rotation going on right now. He's used Drew Yearwood excellently. Uh, excellent. He's used um, Mandela Egbo very well. A lot of fighting for places. Kyle Duncan's looked pretty good. Florian Velo finally gets another goal. Good for him. Royer looked excellent. Kaku looks excellent. Now they're going to lose Kaku and Christian Caceres Jr. for South American World Cup qualifying. A little bit more due to the uh, protocols for the quarantine returning from international play to the club. But once again... Carnell has done a very good job finding ways to get them back on track and to be the dominant club we all know and love. What happened starting uh, 2021, we don't know right now. There's going to be some question marks. But as of right now, cannot worry about that. We just have to worry about what they're going to do to finish off this season. Midweek at home to enter Miami. On the road at Atlanta. Midweek at Toronto. And then I believe uh, they're going to be home again for Orlando City. Then they travel to Chicago end of the month, midweek against New England Revolution, and then the last two regular season matches will be on Sundays. It will be against New York City FC at Yankee Stadium since the Yankees are in the playoffs in San Diego. It's baseball. I know it's the commissioner. He's an idiot. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Um, And then they'll finish up on decision day against Toronto FC at Red Bull Arena. So the New York Red Bulls will lose a tenant as they as the uh, New York City FC head back heads back to the ballpark in the Bronx, and we'll see what happens. But once again, this New York Red Bull side has improved. Not a good result, but I thought a decent performance against Orlando. Still though. You can see that they've improved, they're getting better, and they're starting to get a little bit better moving forward. Other than that, it's just going to be another uh, typical situation in MLS. And before I say goodbye, I I really, really want to stress this. I have nothing personal – I have nothing personal against Greg Berhalter. I just want to make this clear. I have nothing personal against Greg Barhalter at all. I still think he's a very good manager. I just think at the moment, club system 
manager is not good enough as an international manager. You need to have a pulse and you need to have a sixth sense of what has to work for the national team. You cannot force a system on players that you're only going to have for at least a week and a half due to training and two matches, whether it be friendlies, international World Cup qualifiers, or a tournament like the Gold Cup. You will not spend more than a week and a half with your players. You must use their abilities and their gifts to go forward and get the job done. Sometimes, got to throw the kitchen sink, or you have to throw darts at the wall and see what sticks. You have to be more of a motivator than a tactician. If you become a very good motivator, you will succeed. John Herdman did that for Canada. He did that for Canada, and that's how they beat the U.S. 2-0 at BMO Field in that CONCACAF Nations League match. Got revenge, beat them 4-1, but still, though, it's a situation where you cannot allow yourself to get outworked and outmotivated. I am hoping Greg Berhalter really learns from what he has done in the past. The future of this national team is bright. Look at how many players are doing well in Europe. Look at how many players are going to be doing their thing in Europe. And once again, I'm not against MLS players not being a part of the men's national team. They must be a part of the men's national team as well. You must have a solid mix of European-American players, European club players that are American, and MLS players who are American in this league. They must be given a fair shot. But once again, we cannot be stupid. We cannot be dumb. We cannot throw away chances at a possibility of qualifying for a World Cup and winning a confederational championship. It must be done the proper way. So let's all hope that Greg Berhalter has learned from his mistakes, not be so naive, and move forward. Because I'm guaranteeing you this right now, because if he does not learn his errors, you will never beat Tata Martino. You will never beat Tata Martino at all. Because that man will beat you up every single time you face him. Regardless if it's with Argentina, Mexico, or anything else. That's all I have to say on this. I want to thank my guests tonight. Carter Krishnar from World Soccer Talk. 
Denton Diablo's owner, Damon Gochner. It was a pleasure to have them on the show talking about this beautiful game here in the United States of America. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Take care of yourselves, everybody, and please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Take care. So long, and bye-bye for now.